All right, here we go. The four outdoorsmen are in town. Mark, Lukey, Steve, Strusinski, Brandon, and Garrett. Garrett is behind the glass again today. I think we're weeding we're out. We're four now. I mean, we have four dudes here. Yeah, we got Brandon. We're and, back and in action as the four outdoorsmen. Yeah, it's all, this is an outdoor show, but i got to talk with Garrett right off the bat because Garrett told me when he came in tonight, he just came back just now from uh, Vertical Endeavors. You know what that is? Uh, I'm guessing it's some sort of climbing thing. Yeah, it's a climbing. Rock climbing down in Bloomington. Yeah, nice. Yep. How'd it go? Um, it went good, but there was one wall that I could not beat for the life of me, and it was my Everest today, and I couldn't get oh. it. So we're kind of we're kind of defeated on that. But other than that, was yeah. it because of the difficulty or because of the fear of falling? I know because you're of strapped. The difficulty, is, is it? Yeah, yeah. It was rough, and it was only my second time ever rock climbing, so I was surprised I even made it that far. But. Is that the one that's right off of highway, highways 494? Yep. Yeah, south yep. and the south side there. Yep. Yeah, there's some there's some pretty big walls there. Give me. I think it'd be kind of cool to do it. They had something I'd never do. 60, 60 footers. It was a lot. Yep. You know, I did it in college, and it wasn't quite like that, but it was part of the physical education training that we did, and and I remember, uh, it wasn't like vertical endeavors, not as big as they are. We were probably 30 feet off the off the ground, and it, and we had to go to an overhang. And we're strapped in. You just pray to God that the guy on the ground is going to take care of you when you when you let loose. And it, 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 they do that, obviously. But I, I got as far as that overhang, and that was the end of it. I just didn't have whatever it took to get past the overhang. And that was right. Even though you're you're secure, you don't feel secure if you're not if you've never done it before. And especially when the walls are bigger, like the sixty footer, your grip strength starts going out. Your forearms are hurting. You're just ready to be done. Yeah. Well, good for you, man. Did you do that stuff outside as well? No, that was once. <laughs> like, my girlfriend my, asked me to go, and I said, "All right." So Mark Fisher says once. Yeah, it's like a, I was. Uh, I saw a joke in the on Facebook or something a couple of months back where this guy's. In a flying in an airplane for the first time, scared to death, and he asked the flight attendant, "How many how many times do these planes crash?" She says, "Once, <laughs> <laughs> only once, just one time." How many times do you fall off the rocks? Yeah, that's all. Oh, that, well, well, congratulations, young man, and thanks for taking care of us tonight. Yes, sir, Mister Lukey, what's new with you, friend? Well, you look a little tan. Oh, you been somewhere nice? Spent four days in Arizona with you, Ooh, young man. buddy. Because you were a loser. You were a bum. You were unemployed. I was unemployed for a week, and it was wonderful. And I'll tell you. There's nothing more fun than traveling with a bunch of retired dudes, because you guys, you you know how to have fun. Well, I'm the only one that's retired. Well, Rocket Man, Bob Creechie's retired, but yeah. Dan's not. The other two guys are in real estate, and you can tease them. So they're them. pretty much retired. Yeah, you tease them. Like, they don't have a job. They don't have a real yeah. job. Did, <laughs> yeah. did he have to take vacation to come with us? No. 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 Then he doesn't have a no, real job. No, no, no. You just make your own decisions, and, and you make as much as you want to based on how hard you want to work. Right. You can take as much time off as you want, but you're not going to get paid. You don't have any don't have any vacation time, you're not getting paid. You're, you're losing money. So if, if you want to take that risk and, you, and you're comfortable with that much money in your life, I'll, go I'll, for it. I'll change my story then. Not retired guys, older guys. Yeah. I, I just appreciate how you guys roll, that's all. It's like, uh, you know, in bed by 9.30, <laughs> you're, you get up too early, but, um, yeah. you know, you go play golf all day, have a nice dinner, you know, maybe have a cocktail, watch a sporting event and go to bed. I well, love we, it. Well, uh, we we spent uh, well four nights there, three days and four nights actually and and had five rounds of golf, which was really nice. 80 degree temperatures every day, which was beautiful Monday through Thursday. But I know for a fact I didn't make it past 10:30. I don't think I made it past 10 o'clock one night. Uh, that's hard for me to do. I love it. I yeah. love it. Well, I mean, I see the draw of 
Arizona. I've never really been there as an adult, and it's beautiful, man. If it's beautiful, it's warm, and it just—it's so different. It's just so different than what we're used to. It's pretty cool. Apparently, it's a big state because all I know is Phoenix, uh, Maricopa. I think is where we were. Mm-hmm. Chandler is where we were. We played a, a couple of golf courses yeah. around those areas, and uh, so I don't know much about it. I just go along for the ride, pay my money, and hopefully have a good time. And we got. We're blessed, man. Healthy, and we're blessed. It was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, it's it was a lot of golf for me, but it was uh, it was fun. It was fun. the most fun about the whole thing was when I won. I won twenty dollars from Bob Krejci on the football game. I mean the basketball game, mm-hmm. Nebraska against the Gophers, and so uh, that was the thrill for me. That I'm, was the only thing I won all week at the casino. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I'm happy. Go Gophers! It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was wonderful. I start my new job tomorrow, so I'm excited about Guns. that. Guns.com, all right? Guns. Tell us again. This, Mark Lukey is newly employed, of course. Guns.com. Mm-hmm. Explain it again. I knew you did it last Sunday. This is brand new. I've never heard of it before, but yeah. most of our listeners probably have never heard of well, it maybe before Maybe I'll have either. to get him a sponsor, but Guns.com uh, is any... You can buy or sell um, firearms online, and if you're a realtor or... I'm sorry, a gun broker or dealer, you can sell your inventory there. If you just are Joe Schmo and want to sell your gun, you can send it in there and they'll buy it from you. And they sell all sorts of things, and they're out of uh, Burnsville, Minnesota. And uh, we're going to give it a go. So this is the worldwide. This company's been around for a while? It's been around since 2011. They used to do mostly content. They have really cool videos if you go to YouTube and uh, all social media stuff, all sorts of things related to firearms and, and shooting and so they have some great content, and then they started um, being an online retailer, uh, online retailer a few years ago. So it's grown ever since, and I just I decided to try another industry for a while. Well, I respect you. So look up guns.com if you're curious as to what Mark is talking about. And you won't are... forget the URL either. Guns.com. You can't you what's, can't miss that one. What's it called? Guns.com. You, I mean, that's pretty easy to remember, right? What did you say? URL. URL means the website address. Oh, okay. Why didn't you just say website? Because uh, we have such a young and hip audience oh. that they would know what I meant right away. <laughs> Garrett knows what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so a lot of things happening in my life, and I'm glad you're along for the ride. Yeah. Thank you for being my my mentor and guide through all of this. I'm a, I'm a risk taker. No, I'm not a risk taker. But I, I'm here for, I'm here, for, here to offer you advice. That's for sure. I've, I'm lucky I'm alive. My wife and I were very conservative in our life as far as spending and all that, but we've had a lot of fun and. We're in our 70s and healthy and happy and able to do stuff, so we're blessed and um, going to keep on going. I'm glad to be part of your life, kid. Well, let's let's tease the show tonight. We have a great one tonight. Yeah, we have some great, interesting stories. Starting off in a few minutes, we are going to hear the story of Sneaky Pete. Yeah, that'll be first story, yep. Yep, and then we're going to get some ice reports in the second break. And then we have an incredible story in the third break, and I will send a picture later, but you're not going to believe... This picture, this story, it's crazy. Do we want to give any of it away now, or should we just wait? Uh, let's let's just let's just wait a little bit. It's it's a it's one of the most unusual deer hunting stories you will ever hear, right? That's we'll just say, say two heads are better than one. I think so. That's a good question. And I was going to post something <laughs> as well that would have been more graphic. I think that maybe some people can handle who are not <laughs> you know, who are not hunters. You know, to, to tell, but uh, it's pretty cool. So uh, yeah, we got. Uh, uh, Brock Mac- Maximu is going to be the guy who uh, is involved in the second story. And, and of course, Kevin Sathry is the young man from Adams, Minnesota, who blasted Sneaky Pete, I think, after about four or five years of chasing this thing down. And that was a mo- 
I saw the picture. Do you see? Yeah, it? it's crazy. Yeah, and how that, a deer can live that long in southern Minnesota without yeah. getting shot is incredible. Especially with the Sathry family. Yeah, around Hell, those they, guys are snipers. They control everything down there. But it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So those are gonna be a couple of great guests, and we've got Scott Seibert on as well. He's gonna be uh, he's gonna be uh, giving us tips about ice fishing and whatnot, and uh, give us ice reports as well. But right now we've got Kevin Sathry's on the line, I believe. Right, Kevin, are you there? Hey, Stu, man, I'm here. Every day's a gift, kid. Every day's a gift. Hey, now, we're going to get to the story really, really quickly here, but you've got something special happening at 7 o'clock. Tell us what's happening at 7 o'clock with your family. What's going on? Is that going to be at the barn? Yeah, so uh, we do a Christmas service in the barn. Um, so everyone comes out to the farm. we got a barn all set up with lights and stuff, and they do a little bit of uh, caroling and singing and stuff like that. So it's a uh, pretty cool pretty cool thing around here boy and imagine you have a live manger and uncle uncle jim weasel is the is the <laughs> is the jackass and uh so it's all it's right? all it's all good it's all good hey let's talk about that yeah. you've been hunting for many 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 years there i'm guessing you're near ah, you might be 40 i don't know something like that but your family has had this this land in this area for many many years in adams minnesota someplace down there and you've been tracking this deer let's talk about it Sneaky Pete, how long have you been tracking Sneaky Pete, and and who named him Sneaky Pete? So, uh, me and one of my buddies named him Sneaky Pete. So he's a deer that, uh, well, three, three, three and a half years ago, I missed him uh, with my bow, and we had a bunch of pictures of him then. And, then and so, anyway, so yeah, so uh, anyway, I missed him with my my bow three and a half years ago. Um, we gave him this name, Sneaky Pete. He was always around. He was always on cameras, but we could never get some daylight pictures of him. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, the last, uh, I probably had, let's see, that would have been 2020 when I would have missed him. And I got a sheds that year in 2020. In 2021, we had a few encounters, just never got close enough to him. Um, my son ended up finding his sheds that year. 2022 we never had no sheds of him we never found him uh we looked hard for him never found him we had encounters never never got close enough to get a crack at him uh but this year was i had a really good run in with him and he he kind of took me for a loop you know go ahead you know you, you um did you have him on the trail cams all year long was he always was so, he was he spotted a couple every couple of months throughout the entire year over the last four years or so? So I had I had him on trail camera in August, and then I never seen any sighting of him or anything until would have been Halloween. And Halloween is when I actually had personal encounter with him, and I ended up hitting him, but I didn't hit him that well. And so the next day we went and trailed him and tried to find him because I let him lay through the night. And, Never found him, never found him. Had blood and everything. Had good blood, but it was ended up being a meat hit. And I got pictures of him again on November 2nd. And I actually got, got my, uh, went up to school, got my boy out of school, and had him sit in one stand, and I sat in another stand on my property here by my house. And um, I ended up getting him to come in that night. Um, I had to do a bunch of different different uh hunting strategies uh he wasn't getting out as bad i kind of knew about where he was at so i ended up crawling down a cornfield and standing there for about a half hour and i got close enough to his bed to to able to 
see him get out of his bed and come to me, and he uh, got about probably 30 yards, and I'm like, God, I could take this shot. And I'm like, nope, he's still coming. He's grunting. Don't push it. You've done this. Don't do it. Anyway, he got about 10, 15 yards from me, and, you know, this year we switched to crossbow, and actually probably didn't help me at all this year. <laughs> I probably <laughs> But uh, anyway, he got about 10, 15 yards from me, and I forgot to take my, um, I don't know, what do you call it, buck fever, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. And yeah. Uh, forgot, to take, <laughs> forgot to take my safety off. And uh, he, I pulled on the trigger, it went click, I pulled again, I'm like, what the heck, and it went click, and he, he turned, and we were looking at the eyes, staring each other in the eyes for a while, and I'm like, all right, well, he all of a sudden, he took off and ran away, and um. We did a bunch of hunting some more, and I uh, took a little bit of time off with the kids uh, during the shotgun season. Kind of had some pictures of Sneaky Pete kind of hanging in some sanctuary spots. Figured he'd be fine, and uh, hit him again after the first slug season and moved a bunch of cameras around. When we moved a bunch of cameras around, we were able to get Sneaky Pete on pictures probably in a two-and-a-half-week period of time in a 24-hour period there. Um, we had pictures of him the whole time but three days oh my gosh and yeah it was almost like uh, we always joke and me and my boy we sit down and you know study pictures study you know what his patterns are is kind of what we're doing at this time you know with rut going on a lot of times that benefits you but at this time he was so crazy of running the land trying to figure out where the hot does were are without working too hard and so we had to actually kind of work on the pictures and see hey, he's been here at this time. In five days, we need to be here. And so we've done a lot of different strategies. He taught me a lot, let's put it that way. Good for you. You know, you and, were... Go ahead. And he... Uh, anyway, so we uh, did a little bit of looking at the pictures and everything, and uh, my boy's like, you know, Dad, I think you need to sit over here. And so I did. Mm-hmm. And I sat a little bit, and I uh, sat it for two days, and I ended up seeing him once, but he didn't come close enough. And then all of a sudden, my, we were looking at picture, and Bull goes, you know what, Dad? I was like, what's up, bud? He goes, you know, we're starting to get daylight pictures. I can see you, you know, getting a crack at them in the next week or so. And I said, I think you're right. And uh, so we were studying pictures, and we finally got him to settle down. We didn't have pictures for him uh, two days. We ended up seeing him one of the nights. And he ended up settling down with these uh, that secondary rot. I think one was a fawn, one was mature doe. And he uh, was hanging out in this one spot, so I was able to hunt him. You know, he was, he didn't have ADHD. He was just, <laughs> uh, kind of settled in in one spot, so I was able to hunt him and, you know, do your do your homework and put it together. Well, anyway, that morning, um, we had pictures of him that night. He was kind of in that spot. We seen him the night night before in that spot. I said, well, I'm going to sit that in the morning. Well, I went out and I sat it. I ended up sitting the whole day. And as I'm sitting there at about 7, I don't know, about 8, 8.25, Stinky Pete walks by my camera. At this time, you know, it's it's a little cooler. It's 20-some degrees. I was supposed to be in the 40s. I wasn't dressed the warmest. I was dressed pretty good. And I was just excited, right? So I, I forgot my gloves. I forgot a few things, whatnot. And so I was sitting there. Thank God the sun came out and was beating on my back. And I was actually I wasn't sitting; I was standing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he uh, 
I got that picture at 825 and I was standing there and I finally got to sit down at about three o'clock. I was able to, that doe's kind of standing around me and they've kind of moved to the north and I kind of followed them 15 minutes later and just took little steps. We had a snow cover, so it wasn't that loud at all in the, in the woods. And anyway, I finally sat down and on a log at about three o'clock and at 203, I had pictures of Pete again. He gave me four different looks again. And I'm just like, come on, Pete, you're you're a hundred yards from me now. And anyway, we're sitting there, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, Pete Pete shows up, and he was straight on. And I'm like, I kind of got a little buck fever. Ain't gonna lie, yeah. I should have gave him a little bit more time. And he uh, was straight on, and I pulled the trigger on the muzzle loader and and uh, put it right on his brisket. And all of a sudden, he took off, and he kind of circled around and. I'm reloading, all of a sudden he stops again, and he's probably a little over, probably 130 yards, and with the muzzleloader, you know, that ain't that bad of a shot, and yeah, shot again, I I miss, and I'm like, no way. <laughs> so, so now I'm going on four different times I missed this deer this year. Missed him, missed him in 2020, I missed him four times this year, and um, at, at the time where I say rut can be your friend or rut can be your, not your friend well in this time rut was my friend if it wasn't for rut and him having two hot does i probably would have never got another shot at him let me ask for you this sure let me ask you this for a second do you when you saw uh, uh pete uh, hundred and some yards away when you're a little frustrated as a dog on it do you do you ever rattle do you grunt do you do you call them in at all well no not at not at this time i do when i sit with my bowl quite a bit early on do a lot of curiosity grunting and rattle um when they are in their heavy rut i'll do some of that you know but this was basically me trying to be sneaky pete uh, there you go you know? yeah so, <laughs> so i'm trying to be as sneaky as pete been sneaky and not knowing i'm here but obviously i shot twice he knows i'm there but he um he ran out to the field he actually bred a doe um probably about 150 yards from me Bred a doe. Ten minutes later, he walks up towards me. I had a doe in front of me. All right, hang on, Kev. Kev, hang on a second. We're going to stop you here because we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back, keep you five more minutes, and going to finish this story. Is that okay with you? That's fine. All yep. right, we're going to call him. Just don't hang up. We're going to be right with you. Got to be right back. We're going to break. <laughs> Kevin Sather is going to tell us the rest of the story about Sneaky Pete. I'll tell you what. Be right back. You're listening to The Four Outdoorsmen, part of Bob Outdoors. Hey, The Four Outdoorsmen have been to Devil's Lake many times and fall in love with it every time. Hard water's here, and Devil's Lake is just about as good as it gets. I'm going to name drop here. Kurt Wallback of Outdoor Bound TV and John Hoyer, winner of the National Walleye Tour the last two years, are only two of the professional big shots that feel like Devil's Lake is overall the best fishery in the entire country. Saying a lot. Hey, before you head that way, get a hold of Strewman here. I'll put you in touch with a great guide, nice hotel, superb restaurants, whatever you need. Check it all out on devilslakend.com. And thanks. 
Hey, one of the most beautiful winter settings in Minnesota is every square mile surrounding Ely. Ice fishing, of course, is superb and the options are nearly endless, but Arrowhead Outdoors, well, it's a must stop for every hiker, hunter, or fisherman heading that way because Chris and Steve, eh, they pretty much know it all. Hey, once again, Steve has fish houses for rent on the doorstep of the Bounty Waters. He fishes a lot and as a result knows where to put those babies and he'll put the odds in your favor. Hey, I'll tell you what, reserve your fish house today. Go to ArrowheadOutdoorsElyMN.com. Clam Outdoors has what ice anglers need for ice fishing this winter. From portable fish traps and pop-up hub shelters to ice armor by Clam Outerwear and cold weather gear to stay warm on those cold winter days. Along with a wide array of accessories, Clam Pro Tackle, Frost Ice Line, rods, reels, and combos, and so much more. Whether you're a hardcore or casual ice angler, Clam has what you need for ice fishing. Check out the full line of ice fishing gear at ClamOutdoors.com. Tired of losing your valuables down the ice fishing hole? Our friend Bill Katz with BK Outdoors LLC has the most simple, affordable solution on the market. Katz covers are a strong polycarbonate hole cover you can stand on and fish through. Your phone, electronics, keys, kids, and pets can now be safe with this simple solution. Go to CatsCovers.com. That's K-A-T-Z-K-O-V-E-R-Z.com. Made Minnesota, a veteran-owned company. You can order yours directly or visit one of Bill's great retail partners to get yours now. Power Lodge is the number one source for ATVs in the upper Midwest. With the top three brands, including Polaris, CF Moto, and Can-Am, you're able to test drive them all in a head-to-head comparison to find the perfect ATV for hunting, ice fishing, plowing, and having the best time possible on four wheels. Power Lodge also offers all the best gear to fully customize your off-road vehicle, including plows, windshields, heated hand grips, gun scabbards, and more. You know, even deer hunters would rather eat beef, and that's the truth. That's where Heinen Farm and Ranch comes in. Heinen Farm and Ranch is a small local business from North Branch, Minnesota, that raises some of the most delicious grain-fed beef with exceptional marbling. Custom cuts or fill your freezer with premium quality quarter half or a whole darn cow if you prefer. If this idea is new to you and you have questions, call Erica or Mike directly, 651-260-9503. Or you can email them at heinenfarmandranch at gmail.com. They're small-town, local farmers, wonderful folks, premium, quality, grain-fed beef. That's Heinen Farm and Ranch. Thanks. Picture this. You're out on the frozen expanse of Lake of the Woods, surrounded by the crisp winter air. You drop your line, and then it happens. The tug, the pull, the adrenaline rush as you battle with a colossal walleye beneath the ice. It's not just fishing. It's an adventure. Hey there, Bob Country. This is Brandon Backstrom inviting you to join me on the Bob FM Winter Walleye Connection at Ballard's Resort on Lake of the Woods, February 4th through the 7th. Everything's included. Transportation, three nights lodging, nine meals, two full days of guided ice fishing. They've got all the gear covered from bait to jig sticks. And get this, they'll even clean your catch for you. Call 1-800-776-2675. That's 1-800-776-2675. Or visit Ballard's resort.com for more information and to book your reservation get ready to make some unforgettable memories on the ice at the bob fm winter walleye connection at ballard's resort on lake of the woods 
Staples and HP want you to have a happy holla deal. That's right, holla deal. Now, during Staples holla deals, you can save up to $115 on the HP Smart Tank 6001 all-in-one printer with up to two years of original HP ink right in the box. Plus, find savings of up to 40% on select HP computers and monitors. Happy holla deals from Staples and HP, America's most trusted printer brand. Smart Tank offer in 1223. HP Tech offers and 1624. Visit staples.com slash HP for details. Our daughter, Jessie, loves playing detective. A clue. But since we discovered she has sensitive skin, we've been playing detective, too. We thought the problem was our puppy. But it was actually our old detergent. Aha. Uh-huh. So we switched to Tide Free and Gentle. Tide cleans better than the leading competitive free detergent, and it doesn't leave behind irritating residues. Plus, Tide Free and Gentle has no dyes or perfumes, so it's gentle on her skin. Case closed. If it's got to be clean, it's got to be Tide Free and Gentle. All right, here we go. Welcome back to the Four Outdoorsman. We're talking with Kevin Sathry from Southern Minnesota. He just got himself Sneaky Pete, a deer he's been hunting for a long, long time, four or five years or so. Let's go back about two minutes. We've got five minutes left to finish this story, Kevin. You were sitting in the woods. You've been there all day. Uh, you've, you've, you've had a number of shots at, at Sneaky Pete, screwed up one or two times, obviously. Go back again. How far Pete was before you had a chance to get a shot on him this time? Okay, so um, kind of where I was left off there, uh, Pete ran out into the field. He was probably about 150 yards from me, and he ended up uh, he was he ended up breeding a doe, so he's still getting his genetics out because he's a very nice looking deer. And um, like I was saying before, too, the uh, you know rut rut can be your friend, rut right. can not be your friend. Right. Rut in this case, two weeks ago, he you know three four weeks ago he was. He had like ADHD. He was running all over trying to find these hot doughs that were easy and whatnot. Well, he finally settled down. We didn't get pictures of him for two days, and he finally settled down at this spot. Um, anyway, after he bred that doe, there was a doe in front of me all hunched up. And you listen to all these different stories, and you do your research, you'll hear what the does do, and that's what she was doing. And Pete, he seen it, and he came back to the woods, and he wanted to be with her too. Well, he was straight on, and I was like, I'm not taking a straight-on shot. As soon as he turns broadside, I'll I'll take a shot. He ended up turn, turning broadside for me. He's about 75 yards away, and I able to actually put it right up to his uh, boiler room, and, and he ran off and probably ran about 60 yards and fell over. But it was a closing of uh, quite a few years there. He, he was a six-and-a-half-year-old deer. You know, we got a sheds for two years. We didn't get them last year. Um, but uh, it was probably one of the, of all the deer I've shot, probably one of the most, uh, I don't know, hardest I've ever hunted in my life. And he and f- taught me so much about deer hunting yeah. that it was finally to close the chapter with him yeah. and to able to, um, I almost put him a full body, but it just was going to cost about 3500 bucks just for the getting the no. body mounted and then... Yeah. Thousand bucks for a pedal stool, so I, I just went with a shoulder mount. But yeah, you got to stay. Uh, you got to stay married. I know that. I know your wife. You better stay <laughs> married. Hey, how did you feel after 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 a Sneaky Pete went down? Because not only you were relieved, but gratifying. You know, you, you took the life of a of a, a magnificent animal, but he didn't have much time left anyway. How did you feel once that animal went down? 
how did I feel? I, you're kind of cutting out there. How did I feel about what? When after Pete went down, you realized you got him. What were your feelings? Were you still nervous? Were you shaking? Were you? I mean, it, it's it's a magnificent animal. I mean, and and uh, you had to have it, some kind of feelings. Oh yeah, uh, feelings were uh, big time. If you ever had buck fever and the shaking and just happy and oh yeah, um, stuff like that. Uh, I was, that's exactly how I feel. I mean, I was shaking the whole time just because I was able to actually seal the deal on him. Plus, you know, I was still having buck fever when I shot. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it was crazy. It was, it was a crazy feeling. In your opinion, does the fact that you shot him with a muzzle loader as compared to your compound bow or a, or a crossbow, does that minimize the accomplishment? Does that lessen the accomplishment in your opinion? No, I don't think so. Um, it's it's still one of those things. You're out in the woods. You're still hunting. It's uh, you against the deer, and that was this case. It was me against Pete, and um, I finally won after six and a half years. Be proud of yourself, Kevin Sathery from Southern Minnesota, not too far from. Kevin. Yeah, congratulations. I'm looking forward to seeing them out myself. Thanks for sending all the photographs. We're going to post this thing. So the legend of, of Sneaky Pete is done, but uh, you're going to start another one here in the next year, I'm sure. Thanks for joining us. Good luck with your service tonight, and thanks for being friends of the Four Outdoorsmen. You bet. All right, take care, not buddy. Take care. Yep, take care, sir. All right, we got Scott Seibert on, I think. Do we not? Scott Seibert, how are you, sir? Hey, how you doing? Well, you know, I didn't sound as excited as I did, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing fine. Good to, good to talk to you. I, I try to stay in touch with you guys once in a while because you guys are as, you and Shelly are as avid as anybody in the outdoors. She said you just got back from Red Lake. That might be the only lake in the state of Minnesota that's got, has got ice. What's going on in Red Lake? How was the fishing up there, and what are the ice conditions? Well, it was a little brutal yesterday. Of course, you know, the day that I picked to go up there, you get 30-mile-an-hour gusts out of the north. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was uh, 38 degrees when I left the cabin in Hackensack, and when I ended the day, it was 21 degrees. So talk about a cold front coming through, yeah. wind, and uh, talk about shutting the fish down. That's exactly what happened. Okay. Because uh, uh, I, I was talking to a good friend. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, Scott, how, how thick was the ice there on red? Uh, I had eight inches I measured in uh, the majority of the spots I was fishing. Um, I was trying to fish next to some heaves, and then I ended up having about 12 to 14, which I think the ice was stacking up on top of each other. That's why I found that thicker ice there being next to them heaves. Was uh, everyone on portables, or did you see some houses up already? Uh, pretty much portables. So, yep. you know, when I got there at 7 o'clock yesterday, it's dark, and um, I went out of Mort's, and uh, they kind of held us back before we went out. Obviously, safety is number one. Up, you know, anytime you're on the ice, but uh, right. sounds like uh, JRs. They they held there. They they shut their access down a while just because of that wind. You know, that lake shifts so right. much. It's you, know, you want to be safe. So, I've uh, I've never been on red during you know the first couple of weeks where it's everyone's destination. What is it like there? The first you know week or two of ice is it just a, a madhouse? Is there just people everywhere or is it big enough where you're not on top of everybody? I mean, it, it is a big lake, but definitely the amount of people. I mean, it, it's crazy the amount of people that go up there. It's just a constant um, line of traffic, you know, going, you know, to and from uh, Red Lake this time of year. And, I mean, obviously the fishing's phenomenal. Um, my CFO from work was there Thursday, Friday. He uh, caught his four walleyes each day that they were fishing. Um, you know, it was 
great fishing, of course. It's always good early ice. I mean, you can usually, no problem, you know, getting your limit uh, normally when you're up there. But, uh, yeah, it just didn't work out for me, of course. So, you know, fishing's fishing, um, yep. especially when we got cold fronts coming through. But, yep. um, you know, I, I was fishing in seven to eight feet of water. And then, you know, I, I didn't want to go out past the crack. We could only take our four-wheelers out about 100 yards, and then you had to walk. Yep. So, you know, you definitely don't want to chance it. So red's known as just a big bowl, pretty much not a lot of structure. How do you how do you approach a lake that's just a bowl? You just pick a spot and hope they swim by, or how does that work? Yeah, that, that's kind of what you what you do. I mean, obviously you start out. I mean, earlier in the year you start out shallow, and then you just kind of work your way out. And you know, say that's where I was in that seven to eight feet. And I mean, from talking to people, it's like, all right, you know, started out there, but it sounds like you had to be in that ten feet. You know, that's where the fish were actually. They just moved out. It's not much of a transition, but you know, two feet. It's basically you know, it's a lot of sand, and there's not a lot of structure there. So it's just the depth thing that kind of changes. At this time of the year, up there, especially shallow water like that, is it's what's your presentation? It's what are you using? What is your presentation? Just jigging a minnow? Uh, actually, you know, um, jigging a minnow works. Uh, I was using the the clam rattle and the new glass rattle and the PT spoon. You yeah. know, you want some noise. It's, I'm really, I, I like to have some noise and I like to have glow. So you know, my number one color is red glow, and I'm always, uh, you know glowing my jig up definitely you know hit it with the light before i drop it down and you know i tip it with a fathead minnow um sometimes i use just the head but then other times i, I actually use the whole minnow and i i use the two treble hooks on that rattle and pt and hook that minnow twice like it's a you know minnow swimming through the yeah. through the water yeah you know you mentioned noise and and the rattles have been around for a long long time now uh i've never really i'm not as big a fisherman as all you guys obviously but and I've never really, I've been with people who've fished with rattlespoons and whatnot. I wonder if someone's ever really done a lot of research to compare. Uh, can, you, can, you, can, you, can you confirm that rattling and is more effective than not rattling? I would, it's like deer hunting or something, but is, are there any statistics that can confirm that using a, a, ra- a noise is that big of a deal? You know, I, I don't know of anybody that has done that. I'm sure somebody has, you know, John Crane from, you know, Clam, he would probably have a pretty good idea on that because he's a tackle designer. But I just know personally, you know, when I'm fishing in a group and uh, people aren't using any type of noise, no rattles and stuff like that, I, you know, I, I know just uh, I'll catch more fish than them if we're, you know, fishing in a house yeah, together. It's, just, it's something about that, you know, this that noise obviously hitting that lateral line and it's, it's an attractant. So every year, yeah. every year, you and Shelly try to take some big trip someplace. I think you've been up to Lake Winnipeg and you've been out uh, to Idaho. You got any big trips coming up this year? You know, I think we will go back to Winnipeg. That's kind of the plan. Usually, we don't plan nothing until the ice show. That's when everything kind of comes together. And, yeah. Um, you know, last year we were in Manitoba twice. You know, went to Baker's Narrows, and um, then we went to Clearwater Lake and. You know, I had that 43-and-a-half-inch lake. Yeah, I saw that, that. Yeah. And a half, I saw that. Know. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I'm guessing we'll go back. We'll probably do the Winnipeg a few days, and, you know, like we said last year, hey, it's only eight more hours to uh, Baker's Narrow, so we might as well just, just keep going from just, Winnipeg. Just keep on going, man. <laughs> only eight hours. It's like when I used to go to the Bounty Waters, you look at a map back then. We had a map, no Google and stuff, and say, well, hell, there's water another half a mile. Let's keep going. And just, yeah, I'm with you. Just got to keep on going. Hey, Scotty, we got to go. Thanks a lot. I'm glad you got back <laughs> safely. I just sent you and Shelly a, a photograph of uh, – 
uh, some of the fish my buddy caught at Red Lake last week, him and his, him and his, his crew, and that was only seven days ago, and how the weather changes and the fishing changes, and they did really well. So take care of yourself. You guys be safe this year. Thanks for the updates, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you. You bet. Take care, Scoop. Take care, Scott. Good guy, man. Yeah, good guy. yeah. Good guy. You got some shout-outs? Yeah, I got some shout-outs we'll get to before our break. And our final guest, um, Twin Cities Wallies Unlimited, said they had a meeting Thursday night with Brian Bro Brosdow. You should reach out to him. Let's get him on the show, Stu. And his better half, Heather, talking hard and soft water walleyes. Looking forward to some cold weather so we can get safely on the hard water. Yeah, and um, and the Twin Cities here, it's still a little sketchy. So everyone be careful. I, I wouldn't be out a there A little right sketchy. Now. I w- I've seen people out already. I, I wouldn't do it. It's yeah. just not worth it for me. Um, anyway, um, Lisa Polshinsky, uh, the... The yep. daughter of, of Rosie yep. said, thanks for bringing that little bit of warm weather back to you from Arizona. Could have okay. used more. Making my first pot of venison chili from the 23 hunt. Thanks, Rosie, for sharing some of the venison. Cool. So that's really cool. Yeah. Ron, Ron Nielsen says, Red Lake on Friday, winding down the muzzleloader season now. Looks like he caught some nice ones on Red Lake. And Shannon Cruz says he's the la- on the last sit of muzzleloader thug life. You know, my son Mike is still hunting. He's uh, he's not a muzzleloader guy, I don't think, but he's he's got a uh, a compound bow, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he let it go a, a nine pointer, a, uh, probably the uh, within the first three days of the season. Yeah, and he's kind of wishing he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, the good news is it's his land, so yeah. that deer will probably be back. Although they, I mean, deer show up out of nowhere, so you yeah. never know. But I, I'm I'd like to think if it made it this long, it's still he's still yeah alive. he uh, he. Um, I saw him this morning. He's going. He went out again this afternoon. He said he's been seeing some does and whatnot, but uh, uh, not exactly. But he but and he'd like to get another doe, doe or two if you could. He can shoot five, I think. He said in the area he is. Wow, that's a lot. He'd like a couple more to uh, to make some, you know, sausage and jerky and with all that beef, he's really going to grind up a deer. You know, all he's going to do is use it up to grind up uh, his stuff. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, more power to him as well. Um, Talking about the Roshinskis, uh, 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 not Roshinskis, uh, Polchinskis, uh, Rosemary. Uh-huh. She's going to, my wife and I are going to see them on January 1st. Cool. Good uh, for yeah, you. yeah, they're going to, I guess, uh, Mary, Rosemary, and Lisa are going to head someplace on vacation, I think. So Rosemary's coming down here December 31st. And instead of me having to go up to Bemidji, and, uh, we're going to meet them in Minneapolis someplace and, Perfect. Uh, and, uh, and give her some. What am I going to give her? A hug? Pierogies. Pierogies. <laughs> Garrett, are we all set there for a break? All right, buddy. Yeah, we'll be right back. What do we got back. next? We got back. Uh, we got uh, Mac Sim- Simu. He's the guy who got the. This is cool story. One of the coolest deer hunting stories we've ever heard. Be right back after this message. Bob FM's Minnesota Country Salute CD Project is back for its final year. 20 homegrown artists have come together with Bob FM to create another album to raise money for the Minnesota Military Family Foundation and Minnesota Wheels of Honor. When you buy yours, you're helping the servicemen and women, first responders, and their families overcome the sacrifice they make for your safety. Find out where you can buy yours at mybobcountry.com on sale now. Hey, the four outdoorsmen have been to Devil's Lake many times and 
fall in love with it every time. Hard Waters here in Devil's Lake is just about as good as it gets. I'm going to name drop here. Kurt Wallbeck of Outdoor Bound TV and John Hoyer, winner of the National Walleye Tour the last two years, are only two of the professional big shots that feel like Devil's Lake is overall the best fishery in the entire country. Saying a lot. Hey, before you head that way, get a hold of Strewman here. I'll put you in touch with a great guide, nice hotel, superb restaurants, whatever you need. Check it all out on devilslakend.com. And thanks. Call Dazeal Heating and AC when you need dependable, affordable, and professional furnace repair at your home. Dazeal knows the feeling when your furnace goes out during a cold winter day. If you have a unit that's ready to roll over, Dazeal's team of licensed and certified HVAC technicians are here to help. Dazeal's trucks are stocked to repair any furnace system and can get your house warm and cozy again. Suspect a problem? Call the top dog today before your furnace goes out. They will come running to your rescue before it is too late. DazealHVAC.com Hey, one of the most beautiful winter settings in Minnesota is every square mile surrounding Ely. Ice fishing, of course, is superb and the options are nearly endless, but Arrowhead Outdoors, well, it's a must stop for every hiker, hunter, or fisherman heading that way because Chris and Steve, eh, they pretty much know it all. Hey, once again, Steve has fish houses for rent on the doorstep of the Bounty Waters. He fishes a lot and as a result knows where to put those babies and it'll put the odds in your favor. Hey, I'll tell you what, reserve your fish house today. Go to arrowheadoutdoorselymn.com. Clam Outdoors has what ice anglers need for ice fishing this winter. From portable fish traps and pop-up hub shelters to ice armor by Clam Outerwear and cold weather gear to stay warm on those cold winter days. Along with a wide array of accessories, Clam Pro Tackle, Frost Ice Line, rods, reels, and combos, and so much more. Whether you're a hardcore or casual ice angler, Clam has what you need for ice fishing. Check out the full line of ice fishing gear at ClamOutdoors.com. Power Lodge is the number one source for ATVs in the upper Midwest. With the top three brands, including Polaris, CF Moto, and Can-Am, you're able to test drive them all in a head-to-head -head comparison to find the perfect ATV for hunting, ice fishing, plowing, and having the best time possible on four wheels. Power Lodge also offers all the best gear to fully customize your off-road vehicle, including plows, windshields, heated hand grips, gun scabbards, and more. You know, even deer hunters would rather eat beef, and that's the truth. That's where Heinen Farm and Ranch comes in. Heinen Farm and Ranch is a small local business from North Branch, Minnesota, that raises some of the most delicious grain-fed beef with exceptional marbling. Custom cuts or fill your freezer with premium quality quarter half or a whole darn cow if you prefer. If this idea is new to you and you have questions, call Erica or Mike directly, 651-260-9503. Or you can email them at heinenfarmandranch at gmail.com. They're small-town, local farmers, wonderful folks, premium, quality, grain-fed beef. That's Heinen Farm and Ranch. Thanks. All right, let's have some fun here, all right? We've had a lot of guests over the years, nine years here in the four outdoors, and a lot of interesting stories. Billy Moles has told a number of great stories for us, his Alaska guiding, but I can't bet you even Billy Moles has never seen this before. We're talking to Brock Maximu from Saskatchewan. Brock, how are you today? Oh, not too bad. How are you? Every day's a gift, young man. Every day's a gift as far as I'm concerned. Where are you right now? Are you in your car? Are you heading someplace? Uh, I'm out in Bredenbury, Saskatchewan, just about 45 minutes away from where I shot my deer. 
That's uh, you know, I I don't think I've ever been to Saskatchewan. Have I? I've been to Winnipeg. I've been to Ontario. I mean, I'm, it's, it's, I don't think I've been to Saskatchewan. That's pretty. Know. That's pretty well, far. You can watch your dog run away for a few days. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I like to go to places where I can take a leak outside. I think that sounds like one of the that's, – I could do that in Saskatchewan. I bet you can. I bet you I can. Yeah. <laughs> Brock well, Mac- it's definitely flat out here, but <laughs> – Brock, you know, it's flat out. You said it's flat out there? <laughs> You betcha, yeah. You know, there's, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story first before we get to your deer story, but we were down, you said flat, and we were down in, in Texas 10, 15 years ago, my wife and I, I think we were maybe in San Antonio, and uh, we went and played around a golf and got hooked up with a local guy there. Nice guy, we're talking, it was windier than a son of a bucket, you know, and it's, I said, man, it's windy, is it always like this? He says, this is nothing. He said, I'll tell you what, he says, one time, couple of years ago it's it's so windy around here one day the wind stopped blowing and everybody fell down <laughs> that's 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 windy that's bop now were you born and raised in saskatchewan yeah i was born and raised in yorkton saskatchewan uh been here whole life i went out to alberta for a little bit did some work out there and yeah now i'm back home in saskatchewan and got a little family going so and you're talking about work. What kind of work do you do? Uh, well, I am underground at a potash mine in Rokenville, Saskatchewan. Oh, that's a that's a that's you work. You, go ahead, that's Mark. a man's man right there. That's a man's man. I'll tell you what, he is a man's man. As a matter of fact, the story's going to tell you. But we'll uh, confirm that as well. Um, are, what are the risks? Are you do you feel safe down there? Pardon me. Do you feel safe when you're underground like that? Yeah, uh, it's. It's safe enough down there. I mean, it's definitely nice and tropical. It's nice when it's minus, you know, you get our cold snaps to minus 35 out here, degrees Celsius, and it's it's nice because you go underground and it's about 25 above, if not more. Yeah, nice. So it is nice. Yeah. You don't have to deal with the elements anymore. <laughs> you've uh, you've hunted most of your life up there, obviously, and you've shot yourself a lot of deer, <clears throat> and you uh, you sent me a fit photographs of deer you've got in the past as well. You've had a You've got you've had some great success up there. When's the first time you saw this deer on your trail cam? Was it this year? It had to be this year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it was this year. Um, actually, uh, it was on the twenty second. I I got that alert from my cell camera, and I honestly thought, you know, maybe the deer shook its head and my camera's kind of glitching out. <laughs> it's just, like I sent the photos in there. And it, yeah, you just. You have to take a double take on it and zoom in right, right our way. Yeah, and we're talking about this deer that that uh, Brock Maximu from uh, Saskatchewan here got this year, and shot with his rifle as my guess. And uh, it's this is strange. This deer had another deer's head hooked in its antlers and has been walking around the woods with a head in the antlers. Has anyone else? Up there that you know, has anyone else seen this deer in their trail cameras? Uh, a neighbor said he's seen it a week prior. Are you thinking it was him? He didn't get a good look. Not other than that. No, we. Uh, I kind of asked around the area. No one's really seen him, and it, it was like he just kind of came up out of thin air, just popped up there. And I mean, he definitely wasn't going far from where I was or from my spot there because. There's food, there's water, there's shelter. There's definitely no harm for him, really. Yeah. 
well, there is, but I mean, I think he thought he found a safe spot and I kind of, you know, I left it for a day. I was like, you know, if it, if he pops up in the morning, I'll phone in. I'm not going to work. I got to go get this beer. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess they so. rolled around and nothing happened. Like my phone wouldn't, or my app, I don't know what was going on, but I had to log out of it like three times and log back in. And sure enough, as I'm underground, yeah, no, he was there at four o'clock in the morning. Well, crap, Kate, now I'm kind of screwed. I talked to my mine super or mine captain at, uh, on my crew. And I said like, Hey, look, our youngest son's got a pediatrician appointment on Friday. Can I use a sick, sick day for this? And he said, yeah, no, no questions asked. And okay, well, perfect. Cause then this way, you know, I can't get in trouble for lying that I, you know, Oh, I pulled my back, but yeah, I was out hunting. Right. Right. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he pulled up, uh, what time was that? About seven fifty in the morning he showed up and legal light was until about seven fifty eight, and kind of, shaking a little bit before I shot and I took a crack at him I missed I took another crack and I definitely thought I heard something but he just kind of sauntered off into the bush so I was, uh-oh because I usually I shoot with a 300 wind mag but you know this year just I don't know if it was me or what was all going on but just the gun wasn't really doing its thing so I went to a buddy of mine and I was kind of talking with him I was like I don't know what's going on with this thing like I wasted a whole box of shells on it, and it is all over the place. It's like, well, I'll take a look at it. Why don't you use my son's uh, 6.5 PRC? I'll give this to you to use. Okay, so back to the shooting him and thinking I hit him. I uh, kind of went, and I was like, well, he just walked off, so obviously I didn't. He didn't dart. So I phoned my friend, and he said, no, you know, with that small of a caliber, how far are you shooting? I said, well, I took a crack at him about 350, 400. He man, said, oh, man. Wow. Yeah, you're way too far out. You <laughs> might have just hit him, and he might have just, you know, flinched it off. There might be blood. So, of course, wife calls. I got to go to the doctor's appointment. So, driving around with our middle child, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, I'm just sitting there like, man, I might have hit him. Uh-oh. What do I do? Yeah. So, finally, two hours goes by. It's about 11 o'clock. Okay, I got to go. I fired up the truck. I'm gone. I fly out to my dad's place, which is about 15, 25 minutes north of Yorkton. I pulled the truck in the ditch. I didn't even shut the truck off. I grabbed my gear. I grabbed the gun. I hopped the fence. I ran in. I'm checking for blood. No blood. Ah, oh, crap. And you have, well, I didn't hit him. You have no snow up there yet, right? Do you have snow right now? Pardon me? Did you have snow yet? Any tracking snow? Uh, right now. Now, like for this year, not really. We have a couple days where it skipped, you know, maybe a centimeter here and there, but it right away it melts. Like right. we're still seeing plus plus two here in December. Like this is bizarre. Usually it's about minus twenty five degrees Celsius, and with the wind chill, some days it's minus thirty. It's wow. Yeah. Usually not a day you want to go walking around or anything. <laughs> All right, so when, but, uh, when, when you jumped the fence and started tracking, how soon before you saw a sign that you hit the deer? So when I walked out there, like, I shot at 8, I missed him. I got back out at about 11, it was about 11.30 by the time I hopped over and started walking in. Got to my area around 11.40, 11.45. I looked for blood, and there was nothing. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I obviously didn't hit him. I guess I'm hunkering down in the, in the bush and I'm waiting for this deer to come out. 
so I decided at 11:40 that or 11:45 I'm going to go walk into the bush and maybe see if I can push them out because I mean this year with the way it's going and the deer hunting, yeah, you almost have to step on them to get them out. So, okay, I made it about 10 yards into the bush, and I made it about 25 yards down the deer trail. And I just kind of looked out of the left of my, like, to the left, and I seen a horn, and I was like, oh, maybe this is him. And then he just turned and looked at me, and there was two heads there. <laughs> I was just like, holy shit, holy crap, this is him. Yeah. So yeah. I aimed, I pulled the trigger, I and, hit him. And you shot the wrong head. <laughs> well, well, thankfully, that's what I wasn't going for. But, yeah, no, I, I hit him that time. He got up, I shot, he got up, and he made it about, I don't know, 80 yards in where he laid down and died. But I walked to where I shot him, and there was blood. So I was following blood in no snow, basically, and through woods trying to find a deer. So I'm yeah. just like, uh-oh, what do I do here? Like, this is, I might have to call someone to come help me. So I made it about 80 yards away following the... Uh, blood trail and yep sure enough there he is laying there dead as can be i just ecstatic like i phoned my fiance i'm i hit him i i got the deer i'm so happy right now she's like i'm on my way out we'll come get some pictures of this and uh we'll go from there okay right on well i'm gonna go grab the truck real quick so i ripped i tagged the deer real quick i walked out hopped up in the truck and just so I was putting the truck and drive, the neighbor folds up. One of Dad's neighbors there. Yeah. Well, what was it? I heard a gunshot, and holy crap! I'm thinking to myself, like this happened like two minutes ago, three minutes ago. What do you what What happened? Well, what'd you hit? Well, you're not going to believe me, so just follow me, and I got to show you. <laughs> and keep in mind, uh, my neighbor Ron, he's about 75 years old, and uh, he came out with me, and we looked at this thing in just amazement, like wow, you're never going to see this again. Never. So, my, no, and, like, my fiancé showed up with her middle one, and he came out, we did some pictures, and uh, Ron snapped a few pictures. We went and uh, we dragged him out into the clearing. And, uh, of course, this is the first year. Usually I usually I have a, some kind of a setup to get my truck, to get the deer in the truck. Yeah. This one, not, not a chance. So, <laughs> actually, there was a crop insurance lady out with me my neighbor and uh she said actually my husband should taught me this the one time you pop your tailgate off and you just prop it up against your bumper in the bed and you pull them up yeah. said, well i'll just one up that because i got a gooseneck so we just tied her ashes straps around and pulled them up and got them in the truck what a great idea uh, well it worked amazing absolutely yeah. I, I you know I, I think i'm definitely going to stick with that even if a guy has to back to a tree and you know kind of make a pulley system but yeah it works great yeah I'll tell you what but, Ma- uh, mark mark mark's got a question for you hey brock we got a couple minutes left so i have some really burning questions here um absolutely how how long do you think that severed head was connected was it rotten or do you think it was pretty fresh you know it was pretty rotten like you know, looking at the tongue it was kind of cracking and tearing off the eyes were kind of sunken in and drying out um i don't know how long he's been on i want to say a week for sure because just the way the fur was in between the head it was kind of rubbed clean right but like i just honestly i don't know how long 
for sure to say, yeah, he was on there for X amount of time. Go ahead, Mark. He was definitely on there for a while. Um, next question. How do you think that how, – how did the head get severed off? I mean, that's that that takes a lot of work. Do you think it just – just dragging it around or do you think the the live deer was able to cut it in half somehow so we were talking and i talked to um my dad's friend at cuss creek taxidermy he Mm -hmm. owns it he's known me since i was a kid we're thinking and the only way that i'm kind of thinking is this deer the deadhead must have been either dead previously for him to come up and scoop beside him and I'm thinking that the coyotes actually had him picked pretty clean to begin with. So okay. maybe this deer was just carrying the spine around and eventually found a way to trample off the rest of the spine of the neck. But it, it was honestly like right down to the shoulders, where okay. the neck joins the shoulders, that's mm-hmm. where it was chopped. And it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen, but I definitely would tell you one thing. It was uh, not the greatest smell. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> hey, I can't. Now, yeah. you're, you're, are you getting it mounted with the both heads hooked together by the antlers? Yep. Okay. We, uh, I fo- actually, when I uh, finally got a hold of the conservation officers up here, the DNR, yep. I phoned, I had to phone the turn in poachers line. Not, it just kept going to voicemail for a game warden. So I just said, okay, screw it, I'm phoning in. Yeah. Applied for my permit because... I had to prove to them that I did not shoot the second deer. Well, it's missing a whole body, so obviously right. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so well, yeah. then I phoned, uh, I phoned Danny, and I told him, I said, you know, I don't know how, how I want to do this. Should we do, like, a live one with a Euro mount? He's like, no, this is absolutely not. This is a once-in-a-lifetime. Yeah. We're doing both yeah. full shoulders locked in. Got it. Hey, another so, question. A good friend of mine. Steve Renneberg from Arrowhead, Arrowhead Outdoors up in Ely, Minnesota, one of our great sponsors. He said there's laws in, the, in some states in this country that state if the antlers are attached to the skull, you have to have a deer tag for that set of antlers. Did you have to get another license for that, the, the second deer? So I, I did have to apply for a permit to obtain the deer head. Okay, okay, cool. But yeah. if, now back to his story, or his, uh, statement again if the deer had been alive and I shot one deer and say I phoned the conservation officer and they had to come out and shoot the other they would separate the horn of the one they shot not yeah, me yeah. Interesting. or if I was with a buddy they ha- we had to tag together Brock I tell you what man Brock Maximu from uh, 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 some place up in Saskatchewan this is one hell of a story, and I can't wait to see the mount. we got to stay in touch. And if you've had this kind of story in one, in your life, you've had more stories. You've got to be one of our regular guests on The Four Outdoorsmen because you're a riot, you speak well, and this is a this is a one hell of a story. And I thank you very much for sharing with us. We're going to stay in touch with you. I want to make sure you, you give me a, a photograph of that mount. Let me know when you get it done, would you please? Absolutely. I for sure will stay in touch with you, and for sure I will definitely send you pictures of it as soon as it's done. All right, and hope you don't get fired. All right, take care, Brock. Have a good day. Brock, Maximu, thanks for being on the Four Outdoorsman. Take care of yourself, buddy. Cool. It's a cool you story. Well. Thank you, you, guys. you bet. Hey, thanks to all of our guests. we got Brock who just talked to, uh, Scott Seibert, giving us some Red Lake tips, and uh, who else do we have? Kevin Sadry, 
the guy who got the uh, sneaky Pete. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Four Outdoorsmen. Have a great week. And my buddy Mark's got something to say. Get outside and make some memories.